0: Today's guest is Anthony Teresi. Anthony is a renowned clairvoyant, master astrologer, psychic, visionary, sound healer, and empath. Today, we will talk about Anthony's years of pursuing deeper and deeper levels of consciousness awareness and his spiritual journey through the heart of the universe. Anthony, thank you so much for joining me and welcome.
1: Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right. In your book, *Rippling Waves*, you dedicated this book to your brother, who was lost too soon. But he found an extraordinary way to say goodbye. Can you tell us about your brother and that experience? Sure.
1: Uh, quite a while ago. This has been in my early twenties. My brother was an entrepreneur uh, into import/export. Had his own plane, and uh, in this particular instance. He was flying to Acapulco uh, and encountered a sudden storm. And as he was approaching Acapulco, uh, they they had him on the radar, and then he disappeared. Uh, There was an American Airlines, I believe, uh, major, he had a small plane. It was a major plane that saw him, uh, and then again, like I said, he disappeared. about a month went by, and it wasn't unusual for him to be gone for a week or two, but a month was extraordinary. So we contacted Acapulco, and they told us this very same thing, that he was there and then he wasn't. Uh, they presumed that he had been uh, blown uh, off course. I could not uh, accept that. I decided I'm, I was going to Mexico. I was going to be there uh in full search mode i would find out what would happen what had happened uh, uh one way or the other uh, my whole family was i have come from a large family my whole family was extremely distraught so i went and got there contacted uh missionaries guides anyone who spoke the language and who could uh, help me find uh what was going on so we started and I was there about a month. I traveled, um, uh, He and um, by the way, just to backtrack a second, he was lost somewhere in the mountains between Ixtapa or Iguataneo and Acapulco, which is about a 90 mile stretch. Um, and it goes back up into deep jungle. In any case, we traveled Uh, through every village, over every road, spoke to every person that I could, uh, actually several times. And we traveled the entire area, wherever there were roads, wherever there were even paths. We walked and uh, uh, talked to some pretty remote places and uh, looking for some sort of clue, some sort of something. And while there were individuals who did say, yes, we heard this or we heard that, uh there was nothing that we ever found that um you know corresponded and i was getting pretty distraught uh because i was running out of land i was running out of places to go uh which actually did happen i covered every road every village from the uh distance of acapulco through all of the mountains and all the way to Ixtapa and back uh, from that standpoint uh the coast the lakes, the islands that were uh, there, uh, the mountains, which were uh, extraordinary. Uh, Some were unscalable, obviously. Anyway, long story short, sitting there in my hotel room uh, the night before leaving, extremely frustrated. Uh, My brother and I were very close. We were only 14 months apart. So in many ways, uh, his experiences were mine. And we grew up together uh, almost like twins, quite frankly. Um, sitting there in my hotel room, uh, and I was really on the verge of tears. I had to go back the next day, talk to my family and tell them that I'd been unsuccessful. I didn't know what had happened. No one knew what, what would happen. I did everything I could. And in that moment, the room started getting brighter and brighter. And I looked up, and it's as if a veil where none existed before was shining, and the veil literally parted, Uh, and there was my brother. He wasn't there in his physical body. He didn't reconstitute his physical three-dimensional form. He was there in what we term his light body. Uh, But it was him, complete in every detail. And he was smiling at me. And I was like, just frozen. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And at that particular point, he spoke to me. He said that, in fact, his plane had been, uh, he had crashed and that uh, he didn't make it. uh, And he was moving on. And, And I said, moving on to where? And he couldn't really tell me. But he just seemed thrilled. I mean, he was like excited, exuberant. And this is my brother. I knew what what you know what was going on. And uh, it still makes me emotional when I speak of it. So, I mean, I started smiling because I'm so happy for him. But I was crying at the same time. Uh, I was just a, a wreck emotionally. But he told me to tell everyone that he loved them. And he was sorry that he had to leave. But that he was moving on uh, and I don't know exactly how long this lasted it could have been five minutes it could have been an hour uh, it, it was literally as if time stood still but it was the most beautiful experience that I had ever had uh up, up to that point point. and uh at that particular stage of the game uh the light dimmed his image faded and I was left in the room Shaking, trembling, laughing and crying hysterically at the same time. I later found out that uh, when one laughs and cries at the same time, it's the height of human uh, emotional experience. So I think that I was having that. Side note uh, I went back home, uh, told my family exactly what had happened. And even though my family is a spiritually oriented family. I come from a long line of psychics. Um, It was hard for them to grasp uh, whether or not what I had seen was real, whether I had made it up or my imagination or whatever, which I assured them it was not. Um, But we let it go and the uh, question remained unsolved until about five years later About five years later, we got a notice from the Mexican uh, government that his plane had indeed been found. It had been found at the 8,500 foot mark on the side of a slope under uh, a grove of trees. Uh, And it had been found accidentally by, uh, by hikers and climbers. And I, At that particular point, five years later, I burst into tears again because I realized that in spite of my efforts, no matter what I had done, I would have never found this place. It was completely inaccessible. And I realized that at that time, I had been drawn down there uh, to have this experience uh, to be able to say goodbye to my brother, who I loved with all my heart and to be able to uh, see with my own eyes that uh, he had left his body behind but was moving on. And from that point forward, uh, death became an illusion. Uh, uh, The fact that if we lay our bodies down, we continue on became a reality. And ever since then, I've never looked back. It's never uh, been a situation where uh, I consider death to be reality. So, again, that changed my life dramatically. Uh, I had already been naturally from adolescence. I had already been uh, a natural psychic, a natural uh, clairvoyant. Many times during the course of my upbringing, uh, I would tell my mother or my father that the phone was going to ring. Someone was going to call. Someone was going to come to the door. And sure enough, they would. And everybody would laugh. And it was like, you know, okay, sure. Of course, you knew that you know, kind of thing. So I was very, very fortunate to grow up in a household where this wasn't accepted and nurtured quality. I uh, wasn't meant to feel weird or Uh, unusual or anything like that. So that's the story of that and um, it certainly was a springboard in that it opened up a part of me that even though I had been naturally associated with psychic, intuitive, clairvoyance, all the clair, clairaudient, claircognizant, um, I I hadn't really pursued that. Uh, Music was my first love and I had been playing and uh, on on the road to perfecting my instrument and the creative process. And this brought a much, much deeper commitment uh, to life and to the elements of music, but also it started me on a parallel road uh, on metaphysics, spiritual realities, and the studies of uh, the world's uh, available information at that time. So my development became parallel. I spent, other than my time with my family, uh, my time was spent practicing my instrument many hours per day, and at night uh, was spent studying, which at the time was not so easy because uh, I'm, I'm blown away by today because every... (laughs) <laughs> every uh, philosophy, religion that ever existed since the beginning of time is available on Google. I mean, it wasn't that way uh, uh, back then. and mm-hmm. had to go out and search for books. There weren't very many. Um, but all of that resulted uh, from that one experience and it turned my life into a completely different direction. And it really unveiled a reality that has since Uh, that I've built upon since then. Um, That's kind of that story.
0: No, thank you for sharing that. So can you say then that this experience pushed you into a certain direction? And what direction would you say that would it be? It didn't push me.
1: Uh, It was almost as if I was being invited. It was almost as if I was being shown or a revelation was occurring to me that this reality superseded what I had former thought was reality. And that being said, I mean, if you see a treasure, uh, you're automatically drawn to it. And that's what happened to me.
0: Had you had an out-of-body experience before this, or did you start having those experiences afterwards?
1: I actually, ha- I have had three out-of-body experiences. Uh, only one of which that I can really call an NDE. Uh, But when I was about 18, I was working at a gas station. Uh, We had just moved to California and I was working the night shift in kind of a not so cool area and um, went to help a customer and two guys pulled up and said, uh, fill it up. And I did. I went back to collect. And they put a gun on the uh, window of the car, and uh, and just stood there for a second. And I literally, I need you know, you hear uh, the comment about your life passing before your eyes. Well, since then, physics has determined that the arrow of time is a slice or a. Uh, Momentary pictures uh, that that we determine as our memories. Well, I experienced that. I experienced literally, even at 18, my entire life passing before my eyes. It was if, it was as if I was uh, transported out of the moment into a timeless moment, and everything that I had done up to that point was there in front of me. Uh, and I I surely thought I was dying. I, I thought mm-hmm. that was going to be the uh, that's the worst shoot me and drive off. Fortunately, they just laughed and and drove off. So (laughs) (laughs) but that was that that was one instance. Um, And then many years later, um, I was in Mexico uh, coming back from uh, Chichen Itza. You ever heard Mm of that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, long story short, uh, came around a turn my at the time my fiance was driving uh, lost control of the car the car swung around and hit the curb flipped over four times and landed on its top during that all happened within about three or four seconds by the time it hit flipped and landed for me again time stood still entirely I was actually sitting there looking and saying to myself, because all of a sudden, there was no uh, feeling of the road. It was, you know, we were suspended in midair. And I'm thinking to myself, I I think this car is rolling over. Let's see, that's one. That's that's another one. And it was as as if, again, I was watching it on a screen. Uh, And then when the car hit, it hit on its top and completely demolished the entire car. I crawled out of the window uh, without a scratch. Uh, it didn't, uh, but my uh, fiance uh, did get hurt, and I had to pull her out. Uh, and um, we made it to a hospital. We were out in kind of remote area. Luckily, uh, a couple stopped and helped us. Helped us, but I think the main issue with these kinds of experiences is that we get pulled out of the time, space, linear uh, development that our life seems to be so attached to. And even for a moment, we realize that life is really taking place in this moment right now as we speak. And when your life is threatened or in any way put in jeopardy, you are pulled into that moment because of the Extraordinary uh, uh, events that are occurring that you, know, you might be leaving this planet at that particular point, and uh, again, that that circumstance also has been extraordinary as far as uh, helping in uh, other areas of my life, namely music, for example. Uh, when I, I realized that I had, it took a couple of decades. Uh, but it took me about 18, 19 years before I realized that I had uh, the ability to master my instrument. I was able to play without thinking about it. I simply was able to simply will the music into existence. My hands and feet my mind melded into this incredible uh, activity by which I was almost standing next to myself, watching myself play. And yeah, that's when I knew that I had I had uh, achieved that degree of mastery. That was very, very much like being in the moment. And I had that former experience to relate to from that standpoint. So I've been extremely blessed. Uh, not that I've had these uh, near-death experiences, but I've been extremely blessed to be able to make it through these things and to be able to, understand and incorporate them into my uh, endeavors in life and my directions in life and and what I was doing at that time. So I feel, as I said, I feel like uh, the universe has blessed me many times over.
0: It's nice to talk to another musician. And sometimes when I was out playing, the band was tight, the crowd was amazing, It's almost became a spiritual experience for me. I mean, I was almost got like a shivering feeling sometimes when I would play. It almost felt like I became the music. Did you ever have any experiences like that?
1: All the time, Uh, especially especially after a while, because, you know, as a musician, you start out especially uh, playing drums and percussion or anything like that, you start out trying to coordinate your hands and feet. And literally what you have to wind up doing is becoming quadradextrous. I mean, you really have to, you know, become to where each limb is doing an integrated thing all by itself. Uh, so uh, there's that. But after that is done, you uh, uh, there is nothing like that. There's not, literally, I feel, it's the closest reflection to the primal creativity that creates the universe. We're in a little microcosm of that. We are creating, along with other musicians, our, believe it or not, it's a highly intuitive, I think you would believe it for sure, yeah. it's a highly intuitive experience as well, because not only are you playing, not only are you putting yourself in the position to uh maximize your abilities but you're having to intuit uh, where the other musicians are playing what that sound is and when you're in quote unquote the pocket that is being in the moment and again it's as if the universe is flowing through you at that point and there's again nothing like it that i've i mean I, i've had ecstatic experiences i've had many other kinds of uh wonderful, uh, spiritual uh, yeah, in interactions, uh, but music and that consciousness level has always been right up there with the, with the best. Hmm.
0: What's perfect timing that you mentioned consciousness? Because I wanted to ask you, how do you define consciousness?
1: Consciousness as a element is everything consciousness is the it's not the field field is an aspect of the conscious of consciousness consciousness is where all possibility exists all things created from the source of all being uh it is the repository of everything past present future eternal everything that has been everything that is and everything that will be and i don't mean that in a predetermined fashion it's as if it's the the workshop of of source and um uh, there are many other things that go into it in terms of how consciousness manifests as uh, objectivity or objects from that standpoint but uh, we are consciousness and expression The flower is consciousness and expression. The galaxy is consciousness and expression. Um, You don't see consciousness because uh, it is uh, the greater force, but we can know consciousness within our own being, uh, our own consciousness, if you will.
0: So would you say that in this dimension, or 3D or Earth dimension or whatever, we as conscious beings are expressed as human beings, but when we're not here and we may be somewhere else, our consciousness will be expressed as something else and some other type of being or, or whatever else there could be.
1: Well, yes.
0: uh, That would apply
1: once we leave this life of the three dimensional, uh, ultimately our body ceases to function, et cetera, et cetera. But We can, through the ability to identify our true source of light and animation, that thing that is missing in a a person who is no longer with us, that force, if you will, if we are able to connect with that, we go within and out of that and we can attach intuitively, not attach, but we can access uh, intuitively consciousness itself. And once we're able to do that, we are able to determine various and uh, the variety of dimensions that exist that are limitless. Um, And I've had the good fortune of uh, writing about that in my book. Uh, I've only written about five major uh, dimensions that exist, that you access through your heart and through your mind. Uh, But again, uh, consciousness is many things. uh, And we are fortunate to be children of consciousness, and consequently, we can access it because it's our very nature. It's what it's it's where we are. It's what we are. It's uh, physically, uh, anim- it's animating us uh, to co-create with Source.
0: I have heard you mention that there are five states of consciousness. Can you tell us about those?
1: Well, there are five states that I've commented on. I'm sure there are an unlimited amount. But the five states that I cover in my book, for example, are transformational. That's where you are going along in your life and you have some experience, for example, like the one like my brother's. uh, And all of a sudden, or as a result of these experiences, you are aware of a new reality. Uh, In my book, uh, I was transported to a state of consciousness in which I met my past and my future simultaneously. And I realized that there was a transformation occurring and I had a choice. I could continue on as an individual or I could join the universal community. The next level of consciousness that I explore is transcendent. And uh, I put that into the context of a place that I've uh, visited many times. Uh, It's uh, very difficult to explain. I have tried to put it into a storyline that best describes what it is, but it's a, a city in which the beings and I personally have named named the city Shrasara. Uh, I don't know that that's the name, I've never been given the name, but in order for the, the story to take hold uh, and the uh, development. And this is a place where uh, the beings have, are far in evolution above us and beyond us, where they exist in a completely different set of physics and dynamics, uh, vibrational uh, uh, dimension, uh, where they have uh, long since transgressed and not transgressed, but uh, transformed past the issues of, of violence and separation and all the above. And they are an incredible race that is working as one uh, race dedicated to achieving abundance and. Uh, uh, spiritual breakthrough through love to reach the highest realities. And again, I go into that uh, extensively in my book. Uh, There's also the uh, level of cosmic consciousness. This is a slightly different uh, level in that it uh, is a higher vibrational frequency in that it deals with the source of the cosmic reality, not just our universe, but the entire cosmic reality uh, that we know of. Uh, and there's much we don't know of. Dark matter, for example, as we know, constitutes what is it, 96% of uh, all of uh existence. So uh it's dark for a reason. <laughs> we don't know what what's there uh but, uh, and they make reference to that, but in cosmic consciousness, I take us through the universe, uh, into the universe of universes, and on to the point of reality where we see the workings of how ideas uh, from as small as a, an atom to as large as a superstructure of a universe being generated into existence and we are introduced at that particular point uh, to one of the celestial beings uh, that I make reference to throughout the course of my book and this one uh, I refer to again my term uh, a daughter of love rayed out from the heart of the universal mother and she reveals to us in this uh, journey a profound truth because Our narrative up to that point is to try to discover what is the nature of the entire universe. And she tells us, although this is an intriguing question, we're going in the wrong way, Uh, that we will never, ever be able to understand or grasp the uh, nature of the cosmic reality. In fact, she makes the point that Even if the grandest being that exists uh, in the cosmic reality, who is eternal and forever in nature, were to travel on infinitely, even they would never come to the end. And she redirects us at that particular point to search for the heart connection uh, with the universal source, that that is where our true uh, reality and that is where our true connection lies. And um, that leads us into the next section, which is divine consciousness. And divine consciousness deals with uh, many, (laughs) many, um, how can I put it? It has not always been an easy uh, climb or an easy experience getting to into these dimensions and putting yourself in a position to realize more and more of that level of uh, freedom of consciousness that, it, that exhibits itself through the heart. Uh, and there have been many times where I've uh, been extremely uh, disappointed uh, with myself and from that standpoint. And I make reference to that there. I make reference to a time when I experienced a great fall and consciousness and into darkness and blackness uh not darkness uh, you know that is uh conceptualized in today's religions but darkness in the event of like losing my connection with the with the uh higher light and then climbing back into that and then rising above and going and the chapter takes us into the aspect of divine love and using the metaphor of a flute and a flute life and how a flute uh, can be animated and how it's very similar uh, in terms of the way the way I make the story up, how it's very similar to us as human beings and how we uh, are are struggling with these aspects of overcoming life. Uh, At the end of that chapter, I do deal with the major questions and I, I, I offer answers to who am I, why am I here, what is my purpose? Uh, Now, I don't offer the only answers because uh, there aren't any only answers, but I do offer a way for the reader to uh, understand these questions in the light of their own personality and the light of their own experience from that standpoint. And uh, and then I uh, deal with uh, what happens um, Uh, when we die, how the vibrational energy expands, uh, and what happens at that particular point. Um, And that leads into the fifth chapter, which is uh, the longest chapter, and it is the chapter of universal unity and tells the story of a a society that started out in the thinly veiled, by the way, I might add, a uh, society that starts out in the dim, barbaric uh, nature uh, and evolves through uh, the issues of tribalism, uh, nationalism, and into the uh, uh, areas where breakthroughs occur, New, a new universal language is discovered and an evolution occurs that ultimately deposits us as a species and the planet into a state of consciousness where we are able to connect with the teeming life that exists around us. So it's kind of our induction into the local universe. Uh, These are the five dimensions that I travel. Um, Again, these are experiences that I've had over a lifetime, uh, 40 plus years, and I've had to put them into a linear story to make them intelligible. Otherwise, uh, it would just be spot here, spot there, and it wouldn't make any sense. So, uh, unfortunately, when you tell a story, you're limited by the fact that you're using words and you're using these structures that you have to. But uh, if I could, I would love to be able to just funnel a little bit to uh, my whole (laughs) audience.
0: Yeah, that would be easy. We could all just download it from you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't that be great? Mm -hmm.
0: So are you saying in your book that you actually answer the questions like, you know, what is the point of our life? Why are we here? Or you give us tools to discover that for ourselves?
1: Uh, Both. Uh, I do answer the questions specifically. Uh, And the answer is not an answer... No, I I definitely answer the question because uh, after having read that section, then the the reader can relate to the answers that I'm giving uh, from that standpoint. But it's really more about taking this information, this answer, if you will, and applying it to your own life and uh, putting yourself in a position to uh, emulate uh, uh, these uh, grand uh, expressions of ourselves because, unfortunately, there's only a few a few of us out there who really realize what an incredible being we are. What 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 amazing um, skills and we were. It's, it's as if we're like always looking down, and by realizing that there is so much more within us that can expand us through these these other realities, then we put ourselves in a position to understand the answer to both questions.
0: Why do you think the masses, I'll say even me, seem to have so many struggles in life?
1: Well, evolution is a struggle. Uh, We're always trying to overcome uh, the difficulties of growing. Currently, unfortunately, um, we are being bombarded Uh, uh, by the materialistic agenda of um, the internet and commercial uh, uh, need to make money, greed, these kinds of things. And there's nothing wrong with owning positions and having a nice car and getting paid for what you do. Not at all. I just think that when it's at the expense of defining ourselves as who we are, by what we own, we lose the idea entirely. Uh, And again, I make reference to that in my book. There's a place where I look at who is looking. And I try to portray reality, experience, and exploration as an inside-out experience. When you determine who you are, this goes back to our conversation about being uh, a musician. Uh, When you are on stage and playing, you are playing from the inside out. You are playing to your audience. That is your heart and soul that is expressing itself uh, to your audience and connecting with that. Uh, My concept is that's how we should live our life. Not should, but that's how we could live our lives. We could make our representations from who we are as individuals within ourselves, within our heart. And then if we feel uh, that we have connected primarily to the source of all things, then we are creating our life in connection with that greater force. And our evolution quickens. We become beacons of light ourselves. And there is the crux of the issue uh, that I think it was Gandhi that said, "If you would change the world, be the change that you seek." When you change yourself, believe it or not, you become a beacon that extends miles and miles as far as the light that you are expressing yourself. And if we were, if we were to make that, <laughs> don't I wish? If we were to make that the internet content of of what we see today, we would have a quickening of the evolution of humanity into a connection that would supersede these various warring factions and put us into a position to have a global unity for our planet in itself.
0: I'm going to change gears on here a little bit. Um, Sure. You mentioned earlier something about what happens to a person in the afterlife a lot of people come to my podcast searching for some type of reassurance after a loved one has died in their life, either a family member or a child or whatever. Can you give us some advice for those people that life goes on? We go on. We are eternal. Something that would, you know, be meaningful to them.
1: Sure. Again, it's been my experience that when someone passes over, all of the stories that you hear in the NDE experiences are true. There is this incredible light. There is this incredible feeling of, uh, uh, you know, moving toward an infinite uh, source of love. And all of that is true. And uh, in, in any capacity that you want to uh, express it. however, Because it's an NDE, the person only experiences that portion of it, and then obviously they're pulled back into the body. The ones that decide to move on uh, at that particular point move on. And and again, I covered this at the end of, uh, of, of the fourth chapter of my book. You take, not you, but any of us, take with you the highest greatest vibrational energy that you have been able to experience in this lifetime. Any negativity, anything that uh, is gross in terms of like materialistic, uh, or any experiences that were negative uh, in terms of how they affected your soul and your spirit are left behind. Only the most purest divine energy that is your identity moves into the next level. And it is that energy that recreates itself in whatever dimension it's going to be. I have found that if there is not enough of that, then we will uh, uh, reconstitute that energy in a body that allows us to take that next step. If there is enough of that, then we will move on to the next uh, level of reality, uh, whatever that might be for each individual. We're talking about infinite possibilities here. And I can tell you one thing for sure. I have been doing this well over 40 years, and I have dealt with literally thousands of circumstances where uh, I've contacted loved ones, Uh, I'm I'm not a trans channel, so I don't allow loved ones to speak through me, but I have connected with loved ones who have uh, passed on. And after a certain point, they're not there anymore. They have transitioned. They have translated themselves onto the next level. And I have never once seen a negative experience happen. It's the most beautiful, wonderful thing that could happen. So any of your listeners who uh you know, would love to contact uh, those past. The only way that I have found after a certain time that that happens is through dreams. Often our loved ones will come to us through dreams. They will give us messages. Sometimes it's just to let us know they made it. I mean, one of the most common things is to have a dream of your uh, loved one who has passed and you walk into a room and they're just sitting there smiling at you. Uh, and they, they uh, people have come to me and say it, and said, "What does that mean? Why didn't they tell me anything?" And I smile and say, "They did. They told you they made it." Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it, it's a very difficult subject uh, to to discuss because, like I said before, all of us want to know somehow that our loved one is there, just out of range, and we can, you know, still remain connected to them. But that's not the way the universe works. And we don't want it to work that way. We want that evolution of spirit to occur. We want to be able to move on because by moving on, we become closer to to the source of all things.
0: That's fascinating. I don't really talk about myself much during my podcast, and probably nobody knows this, but I used to do acupuncture. One of the things I learned in acupuncture is that some people, when someone close to them dies, they never let them go. And in acupuncture, we learn that when they're not letting them go, it's like they're not actually able to leave as well. I don't know if that's true or not. And the person who's not letting them go is suffering all types of maybe mental and physical problems. So you finally have to let them go and then you'll recover. Do you have an opinion on that?
1: Yeah. Uh, and it, again, my recommendation to those individuals who, as you say, are not allowing. I mean, what's really happening is, is as they remember their loved ones, they feel the sorrow of loss instead of remembering the wonderful times they spent together and holding them in high esteem. And I mean, if they could see where their loved one was going and what was happening to them, They would just say, fly on. Oh, my God, I just, I release you. I just want you to to have the best thing that could happen to you. Uh, But when you pass over, you pass over out of time. I mean, three-dimensional time is no longer uh, an issue. And you can, uh, a spirit can, be hindered for a small time, by these uh, emotions, because don't forget, there is a great uh, burst of love that occurs when the person passes over. And even individuals who have had uh, relationships of friction, uh, if you will, with uh, other, those that are still here, mothers and daughters, uh, husbands and wives, et cetera, et cetera. When one is passed over, all of that is gone. All they can do is look back and say how, and see how much they love that person, and and they can't interfere with that person's life, but they can send them love. Uh, and if that person that is still here is able to release them, oh my God, what a gift they would be giving them. So in a way, and I don't mean to ruffle anyone's feathers here, but in a way, by holding on to those sad experiences, you are uh, hindering your loved ones' as, ascent.
0: I was just thinking that I should have added to this. Clinically, what we would see is a person would say, such and such, whoever has died, I keep seeing him in the house and I'm talking to them.
1: In the early stages, that's not unusual uh, because uh, of the way that, as I mentioned in my uh, recounting of the story of my brother, for a minute there, um, a minute being... Whatever, whatever you choose it to be, uh, the soul of the departed one uh, is still in orb, uh, still in that context of where they know they're gone, but yet uh, they are still attached to, because evolution and spirituality and the and the gift of life is an amazing thing, vibrationally speaking, it. The vibration itself has to transcend and evolve, even once we're gone, and that takes a minute uh, uh, as we as we ascend out of the uh, uh, vibrational frequency that we're in. So that I think often that accounts for the ability to see that person or uh, whatever. Uh, I always tell my clients that uh, trying to telepathically connect with your loved one usually doesn't work. Uh, what does work is sitting quietly and connecting to the love that you have for that person, uh, and putting yourself in a position to try to feel intuitively, uh, any message that might come through. I have found that much more, uh, productive.
0: Yeah, it makes sense to me. And just remembering the person, and I guess there's just some type of holding on, and even in acupuncture, we learned a technique of to give to the person to help them let go. I don't want to be ruffling any feathers like you said here, but we would see people that would come in that they would be suffering mentally as well physically from not letting go. This is true. And uh, I mean, I understand the
1: entire reasons for this. If you have not had that greater uh, gift uh, uh, given to you to where you can see that where they're going is the most incredible uh, experience that they could have. Um, it's like, I, and this is a silly example, I agree, but I mean, if your child were going to Disneyland, would you cry over it? Would you be, you know, would you be sorrowful and mourning? No, you'd be happy and say, "I hope you have a good time." I'll, you know, like uh, so. I—that's I, my little example about how how I approach these things. But I—I I, I mean, I completely understand losing someone that you love and not having any criteria by which to uh, evaluate this and to know about it. It's extremely difficult to let go. So I'm, which I'm sure you found.
0: Yeah. So how does your book Rippling Ways relate to today's culture and the current state of the world affairs and social unrest?
1: Two ways. One, it puts us in uh, the reader uh, hopefully into a position to understand that the best way for them to combat social unrest and all the uh, devastating things that are happening to our society is by first, becoming that light of love themselves by first going within and becoming the, uh, the light that uh, expands to all. A uh, favorite saying that I like to use is a quote, I think it's from I can't remember. it's a 14th century century mystic. and his followers were uh, came to him one day and said, Master, please show us where uh, revelation, attainment, enlightenment is. We wish to go there and achieve it. And he looked at them and smiled and said, what you're looking for is what is looking. Uh, And I think that if we come to terms with with that, if we find that what is looking part within us, then uh, we are able to uh, consciously have the most powerful effect on our current circumstances and i make that reference many times in my book in the fifth chapter of my book i uh, go into this extensively Uh, i create an entire sequence of events that shows exactly where we are currently and where we're headed and one possibility of a way to transform this entire uh, society which ultimately will happen. We will go into an evolutionary upward spiral that will take us into the next uh, generations, not generation, physical generation, but the next model of who we are uh, from that standpoint. So what's referred to as the Aquarian age is, is in front of us. And the brotherhood and sisterhood of humanity will become you know, the keys to uh, that. That could happen sooner or it could happen later. But again, I do make reference to that on a social macro level. And I'll just say one thing. And some of your readers may really disagree with me and that's okay. But I feel that the thing that's holding us back the most as as a planet, as a race, is nationalism. I think the fact that we are scrunched into these Made-up uh, lines that have been uh, surreptitiously drawn on the planet as borders of countries, and keeping us apart, is the the worst thing that has ever happened to us. If you look at planet Earth from the space station, there's no line. There's, there's there are, there are no separations. We are one being, and um, I think that uh, uh, I work toward a, a revelation from the artists the poets the philosopher scientists the writers the geniuses the intellects the uh media uh, giants to begin shifting this narrative to the point to where we see all humanity as one species i mean we don't uh Say a yellow rose is more beautiful than a red one. We may prefer yellow, but it's not better. Uh, so it's the same with humanity.
0: Yeah, I've thought about that before, and I've often thought that if just aliens would show up, we would all kind of you know, unify and start thinking ourselves as humans, then different races.
1: I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. If you were Captain Kirk, and you were in the enterprise and you were orbiting the planet and you were saying to yourself, yeah, there's about 7.5 billion intelligent beings down there. Uh, We would like to make contact. Hmm. But who do we contact? Who speaks for planet Earth?
0: Yeah, that's a great question
1: when someone speaks when when we have a global government that speaks for planet earth amazing things will happen
0: Yeah. i don't know when that's going to happen
1: yeah <laughs> i don't it know can, it can it 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 can happen right away whether it will happen uh it seems uh remote at this point but i know that it will happen ultimately i just don't know when
0: So your book is about a spiritual journey throughout the universe. Can you just give us a little glimpse into one aspect of the journey to give us a sense of what you experienced?
1: Well, I've already done that in terms of my explanation of going through the dimensions and all that. But the crux of the book is the introduction of the fact that we are not limited... uh, human beings uh, constricted into this tight little uh, body of uh, six senses uh, and that the extremely narrow band of frequencies that we are able to see as sight, sound, uh, uh, taste, feeling are so minute compared to what's available to us that in this book, I'm hoping to introduce that kind of uh, consciousness that uh, you are so much more than you think you are.
0: Besides being an author, is there anything else you've got going on that you want us to know about?
1: Well, I have my site and I do have my clients. Uh, because of COVID, I've been doing uh, a lot of podcasts, and a lot of interviews. I'm hoping that by fall or even in through the uh, latter part of the year, and certainly next year, I'm hoping to do uh, keynote speaking, uh, doing a book tour, uh, and really uh, trying to talk to people directly. Uh, I think that I have a great impact when I can speak to people directly because my energy, I feel, my energy translates more in a a one-on-one kind of circumstance. Uh, But that's my plan. Uh, We'll see what happens.
0: What is the name of your website?
1: My name.com, All right.
0: And I believe you have a YouTube channel now. Is that correct?
1: I do. I have a number of YouTube channels. Uh, but anthonychirisi.com uh, 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 is uh, my my main uh, way to contact me. I have uh, a movement that I, I, I had to put on hold uh, uh, called A Global Love Affair. Uh, that is dedicated to the very things that we've been speaking about as far as global unity. But unfortunately, uh, it has, uh, as its crux or uh, facilitation, the need to uh, gather people together. And obviously, we have not been able to do that.
0: If someone watching this podcast wants to reach out to you, are you a public person and do you welcome that?
1: Absolutely. And if Absolutely. so,
0: how do they do that? From your website?
1: Website has my email, has my uh, cell number, uh, has all of the information, uh, the kinds of uh, uh, readings I do. It has music that I've uh, composed and uh, created, downloadable for free. Uh, it has uh, all, everything that I have described that has a tab for my book, Rippling Waves to the top. And it has uh, contact information. And I welcome anyone uh, to call me directly. If I don't answer, I will definitely return your call. I try to always answer my own calls. And I put myself in a position to try to stay as close to the people as possible.
0: All right, before we wrap it up here, do you have one last positive message that you want to share with everybody?
1: I would like to say and reiterate what I said a moment ago it's the greatest statement that I think can be made anyone who is on a spiritual path can do no better than to understand as deeply and profoundly as possible the term what you are looking for is what is looking if you can put yourself in a position to Identify that witness that is you and you can begin to see your life through that perspective, everything will change for you in the most marvelous way.
0: Hmm. I'm glad you brought that up again. I was thinking about that the first time you said that. What you are looking for is what is looking.
1: Think about that.
0: Yeah, it's pretty deep. All right, Anthony, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you. I wish you massive success in all that you you. do, and have a great evening.
1: Thank you so much. And by the way, let me thank you also for having these kinds of programs, getting the word out to people, and putting yourself in a position to really be a trumpet uh, to the world at large for these uh, extraordinary subjects. I really appreciate that.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that.